Okay, we are back to podcast, and I hope everyone's had a good day. And uh, in the Lord, we are thankful for what He has done for us, the good service this morning. And uh, we are moving right into um, 1 Corinthians 11. 1 Corinthians 11. Paul starts this out. He deals with uh, several issues. He uh, starts with, be followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. So, this is a careful line. This is a fine line um, to follow to follow Paul as he's following Christ. And I know, I, I know, <clears throat> you know, people say it all the time, don't follow man, don't follow man, don't follow man. And, and you're not to follow man. We... we understand that well, but Paul is making it very clear here that if, um, you know, if I'm following Jesus, follow my example. So he's not, he, it, I mean, that's what he says. Follow me as I follow Christ. And so we, uh, we see that here and, and it, it can't be disputed. It's not, uh, something that is is even gray. It's not even a gray area. He's saying, follow me as I follow Christ. Now, I praise you, brethren. So he starts them out with a <clears throat> word of exhortation and praise to them. I praise you, brethren, that ye remember me in all things and keep the ordinances as I delivered them to you. So... There's there's some things we we may not finish this chapter uh, because it, it, we've got a lot of ground to cover in this just little bit. But he mentions the ordinances. The only ordinances that had been delivered to them was the Lord's Supper, which is he he's about to address again, as well as um, baptism. So those are the two ordinances of a local church. So he's he's telling them to keep the ordinances that I as I've delivered unto you. So you know an ordinance is is not a sacrament. Okay, uh, it's it's been called that erroneously. It's adopted by by folks that you know are very chummy with the Roman Catholic institution, um, but he, he's simply saying that these are ordinances. It's something that the church should practice, should follow. He doesn't give a specified uh, amount of time or how many times one should follow it, but he, he is very clear in to keep the practice of uh, the Lord's Supper as well as baptism. Now, baptism is a one-time uh, practice and act for the believer, but um, the Lord's Supper, you know, is off as you come. You'll see that here shortly if we get to it tonight. Then he moves on and he says, but I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ. So every every man is led by Christ. The, the head of every man is Christ. And he he is making that clear. And 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 he goes on to uh, what is another difficult passage for a lot of people. It shouldn't be, but it often is. And 
As he does, notice what he says. The head of every man is Christ. And let's go a, a step further with this. And the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. So that's not popular in our day. And Paul was not being a sexist, but he is saying here that that is the natural order of the home and... You know, it can lead to, to problems if, if the, the woman is not spiritual or if the man is not spiritual. Sometimes the man is not where he needs to be and the woman has trouble uh, following his lead. So it's, it's leading. You've got to understand this is predicated on both parties uh, doing as they should, spiritually speaking. So, you know, a lot of, a lot of guys will say, look, she's spiritual. She's going to follow me. Well, you know, that's there's an old saying that if you are uh if you're if you're leading and nobody's following, you're just taking a walk. And so sometimes, you know, and this is uh again, it is a uh it's it's not the easiest situation because God is giving the the order to the woman to follow the man. But I, I'm just saying that it's so much easier to do without without near as many problems. In fact, it's it's quite impossible if both aren't spiritual. And and what I'm trying to get at is the woman will get laid blame many many times for not following the man due to a lack of her spirituality. When he may make it more difficult for her to do so due to his lack of spirituality. So. Uh, let's move on. Verse number three. But I, uh, verse number, I'm sorry. Uh, verse four. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covereth, uh, covered, dishonoreth his head. That's that's where we, you know, and, and and I know we wear ball caps today, and so that's applicable, and you know, and cowboy hats and derbies or whatever. But in this day, you know, folk, folks were wearing turbans. They were wearing sashes on their heads, you know, due to wind and dust and, and so forth. And and so that would have been the context in this, to remove it uh, before praying. So to, to, to leave that on your head while praying would be a dishonor. And, and this is speaking about worship, okay? I mean, I, I pray in my truck all the time with a hat on or, or what have you, but or out in the, the yard, or in the woods, or something like that. But it, it is speaking for the order of worship. Let's remember that. Um, but every woman that prayeth, or prophesieth, with her head uncovered, uh, dishonoreth her head, for that is even all one, as if she were shaven. For if the woman be not covered, let her also be shorn, now, this does not mean that a woman should wear a veil. That's, that is not what this is implying. It go, he goes on to elaborate. Uncovered dishonoreth her head, for that is even all as one were shaven. For if the woman be not covered, let her also be shorn. But if it be a shameful woman to be shorn or shaven, let her be covered. For a, a man, indeed, ought not to cover his head, for as much as he is the image and glory of God, but the woman... Is the glory of the man. For the man 
is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. And that goes back to creation. Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. Back to creation. For this cause ought the woman to have power on, on her head because of the angels. Nevertheless, is the man without the woman, neither the woman without the man in the Lord. So they are one. Okay, this is speaking of a married couple. They are one. <clears throat> For as the woman is of the man, even so is the man also by the woman, but all things of God. Judge in yourselves, is it comely that a woman pray unto God uncovered? Doth not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him? But uh, if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given, for, look at that, for her covering. There is your context. So, up until now, you've got folks that could run wild with the belief that a woman should wear a veil or a headdress or something like they do in the Middle East. But Paul clears that up in verse 15, and look what he says. It's her hair that is given to her for a covering, okay? It's her hair. She, she naturally has longer hair than, or, or should, uh, than the man. Now... I understand that folks think, think it's relative, and I, I guess it would be. You, you certainly don't want to go past uh, the nature of the hairline, speaking for men and the long hair, um, but there's no set parameter. It says long hair. If, if you were to look at Jesus, Jesus would not have been like the hippie that he is portrayed in some photos, but at the same time, he, he doesn't have your classic flat-top barber look either. Most Middle Eastern uh, Hebrew men would have had a kind of a shaggier style hair. It would be kinky or curly. And uh, we see that it's white like wool. And so we, we don't have the physical description of Jesus. In fact... You'll find that it's changed many times in the scriptures to the degree that Peter, James, and John didn't even recognize, or the, the disciples didn't even recognize him on the seashore. And a lot of that is to keep from making a graven image out of a picture. You know, people say, that's my favorite picture of Jesus, and I just worship my favorite picture of Jesus. Well, you, if he's blonde-haired, blue-eyed, and, and, you know, long hair, that ain't a picture of Jesus. That's a picture of an artist rendition of whom he might want Jesus to look like. But Jesus, Jesus, his hair would be, have been, had been, uh, again, probably not your classic fade or flat top look. Um, as far as short, it would have kinked up and curled up. Uh, a good bit, like your typical Hebrew Jew, okay? So, that being the case, that would be the nature of a man's hair, all right? So, either way, if it's long, it's on down his back, and it appears like, uh, you know, it goes too far down, appears like that of a woman, you know, we, we've got the command to to have it removed, so just be careful with it. There's no set. There's no set style. There's no set length. It's not given. It's a, 
Uh, it's it's a, a kind of a gray area, but just be respectful of it. That that's it. Be respectful of of what the scriptures are teaching here, um, and and understanding. All right, but we do see that the covering for the woman, the context is simply her hair. It is not in any way, shape, or form a veil or a headdress. Okay. But if any man seem to be contentious, we have no such custom, neither the churches of God. So stay away from contentious men. Now in this, that I declare unto you, I praise you not, that you come together, not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. For there must also be heresies among you, that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. So he's rebuking them again for their division. Now let's jump into verse 20. Verse 20, speaking of one of these ordinances, we will get through this. When you come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's supper. For in eating, every one taketh before other his own supper, and one is hungry and another is drunken. What have ye not houses to eat and to drink in, or despise the church of God and shame them that have not, what shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I pray, praise you not. Paul is rebuking them because he's saying when they come together for communion that they're making it a, a huge feast like the Greeks and the Corinthians would, would like to do. He's saying, this is not good. I don't want you doing this. You come to, and I'm getting ready to show you how to come together for the Lord's Supper or for communion. I'm going to show you very, very soon in, in our text. But he is saying you're not coming together for a, a dining buffet and you're not coming together to get drunk. Okay? All right, let's look at Verse number uh, 23. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night, I'm going to read this through and explain it, in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. This is symbolic of his body. That is why we use a wafer. That is why we use un, unleavened crackers or bread. Something that lard or yeast has not arisen. The Savior, uh, or verse 25, after the, this same manner also. So he, he's quoting Jesus here and how Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper. After the same manner also, he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. That do ye as oft as ye drink it. In remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread, drink this cup of the Lord, unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread, drink of that cup. For he that in drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened. There's that word again, chastened of the Lord, 
that we should not be condemned with the world. Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry one for another. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that ye come not together unto condemnation. And the rest will I set in order when I come. All right. That's plain talk. Very plain talk. Paul is saying that some have taken of the Lord's uh, table, the Lord's supper, unworthily. This would be an open sin. This would be with sin unconfessed, unrepented of, you know, just just living flippantly. And he is he is rebuking them for this, and he's saying, look. Folks have have done this unworthily, and and because of that, uh, many are sick among you, and some even be dead, or some even be asleep. And so to, to prevent that type of chastening, the Bible is plain and clear to examine ourselves before we partake of the Lord's table. So there should always be a, a time of reflection. Going into uh, the Lord's Supper, there should be a time of reflection to ensure that one doesn't have some type of un, unconfessed and re, repented sin um, in their lives to ensure that they are not guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so these things Paul is trying to set in order uh, in, in the Word of God, in the house of worship, in, in the church, for the purposes that worship be of a, of a stronger nature, it be a more pure nature, and Paul is, is telling them, look, I, I will set these things in order when I come, but between now and then, I don't want somebody dying because you've partaken of the Lord's Supper um, in vain, in, in, unworthily, with open sin in your life and in your heart. And so it's important to understand that when we do that, it is representative of the body, the broken body of the lovely Lamb of God that has taken away our sin and the sin of the whole world, it is representative of the blood, the precious, sinless, spotless blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for us. And we, we should always bear that in mind, but we should especially bear that in mind at the time of partaking of the Lord's Supper and to not do so in vain. And none of us, in essence, are worthy to do so. But through our forgiveness, we have been made worthy to do so. But to, to continue on with unconfessed or unrepented sin and to flippantly look at our forgiveness in a cavalier attitude to continue in sin, we're trampling on the blood and, and trampling on the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it's important, it's imperative that when we partake the Lord's Supper, we'll probably do so in the spring, around typically around Resurrection Sunday, um, to examine ourselves, to ensure that we we are as close to Him as we can be, to do this reverently, solemnly, to do it in a in a manner in which we are very cognizant of the body 
and the blood that was broken and shed for the forgiveness of our sins. So we've covered a lot of ground here. We've covered um, the, the hair issue between men and women. You know, there's no set parameter. That which is bringing glory. That which is bringing glory. A man should just be be very cognizant of his appearance and it not to be that of, of feminism or effeminate. A woman should be very cognizant of her appearance and her hair not be that of masculinity. And as long as is, is that's the, so, there's a difference in, in being able to tell a difference in the two uh, sexes or genders and in the fact that a man, to, when he does come to pray, should not uncover or should uncover his head. And uh, we're speaking of the church. We're speaking of a, an area of worship. And then when a woman comes, she should be covered. That does not mean a veil. That does not mean a headdress. That simply means that her hair is for her covering. And then we transition into that concerning the ordinances that Paul delivered. One of them was, and he is the Lord's Supper. And he is telling us how to go about partaking of it with the unleavened bread, with the fruit of the vine, and to do so in a manner that is reverent, respectful, and mindful of the shed blood and the broken body of the Lord Jesus Christ. I hope you've enjoyed this. I hope you've got some understanding out of it. I love each one of you. I hope you have a great week. I'll see you Wednesday night.